You never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. A relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it come far and few. Remember what you do. What's good, people? This is the Relic Podcast. I'm Chad Snow. And thank you for listening. I had to do this one over quick because I had my little cough, my pre-podcast cough that I always have. Because when you get up at like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, you don't have time to like warm up your voice. And my voice always gets like crackly and stuff. So I had to start that over. So if I cough early, excuse me, but it is what it is. And I'm not trying to like be super editor guy after the podcast is done. I usually just let it run and then put it out on the interwebs for you guys to listen to. Anyway, we're going back to like 2000. What year was that? 2015? Was it 2015? Yeah, 2000. No, 2016. I moved to Kansas City, Missouri to teach at an alternative school for kids that are at risk. They're living in a uh, facility, hospital facility for various reasons. Uh, Drugs, alcohol, runaways, family abuse, physical abuse, you name it, they got it. And that's where I started teaching. And my principal, Cynthia Korn, was kind enough to see something in me, to hire me. And then the rest is history, because then we just teamed up and uh, started working together. And right off the bat, we uh, connected, had a good relationship, continued to have a good relationship. More than just principal-teacher relationship afterwards, but friends, and continue to be friends. And we, I was going to have her on this podcast earlier on, but life happens and other things go on and you get busy and blah, 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 all those other excuses. But now here she is and she's fired up. She sent me a text the other day and said she's ready to get on. And I was like, well, <laughs> let's do it this Sunday. And she was like, word. So without further ado, I'm going to unmute you. You're officially unmuted. Welcome, well, welcome to the Relic Podcast, Miss Corn. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I, I love being able to listen to you every week. It's like good to hear your voice because uh, you up and ditched me for the beautiful Hawaiian beaches. And I guess whatever. Yes, <laughs> you know we can't really compete out here in Missouri, but yeah. So, but well, no, it's not even taking a taking a risk on you, Chad. Like you took a risk on us and picked us too, and. I, I knew, I knew from the jump, I knew you'd be like the best and you were. Well, let me rewind a little bit too. Cause when I left, um, where I was teaching at previously in Devil's Lake, so shout out to central middle school again, that was not easy for me to leave that job cause I loved it there, but my life took me elsewhere and I started searching for jobs in, in the area I was going to be living in Lee summit, Missouri. And so at the time, I got some connections that were like, well, look at this district. Look. So they gave me like three districts to look at. And one of them was the Hickman Mill School District. I had no clue. All these were just like new words to me. And I remember I got on the computer and started looking at Hickman Mills. I just picked that one first. And then right off the bat, I saw that they had a uh, PE position open up at this place called, I can name the name of the school, right? 
Yeah, we can. Yeah, okay. So it was called Crittenton Children's Center. And it was part of St. Luke's St. Luke's Hospitals or something like that. Yep. And right off the bat, due to my experience working in those kind of settings, I just like this looks like some sort of alternative school. And then I dived in a little bit deeper and I saw I found Cynthia's profile on the page and I just threw out an email to her. So I didn't go through the proper channels of just applying for the job. I just like emailed her. And then she emailed me back like half hour later. I got an email back from her and she was, and I don't think I told you I was a PE teacher. I think I just told you I was, at the time I was an alternative room teacher at Central Middle School. And I did, and then she was like, well, we need a PE teacher. And I'm like, well, that's cool because I'm actually a PE teacher. That's what my license is. And then it just went on from there and I think we did an interview the next couple of days and you, we did a little zoom interview. I remember over online and you hired me. Solo. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, solo. Solo was with me too. My dog. And he, I think he locked it in for me because they wanted to talk and see solo more than they want to talk to me. So it all, it all worked out. Yeah, we did. We did have all the, all the dog lovers on the interview team, but I, I just remember like getting that email and I was like, well, first of all, who has the audacity to just email the principal straight out the gate, right? And I was like, okay. So that that impressed me right away because I like, you know me, and as a, people get to know, like, we we don't beat around the bush. Like, we don't have time for that. We're not going to sugarcoat. Let's just do it. And so when I got the email, I was like, okay, all right, well, let's let's take a look. And then I just remember the emails went back and forth so much so that I was telling my mother, I was like, man, this teacher, he's going to be fucking awesome. Sorry. You, you can swear. <laughs> You can okay. swear. Go ahead. Awesome. Like the conversations flowed. I was just, I was so stoked. And I had to be so diligent about not telling people how much I liked you so that the interview team could just interview you and be done. We had like that year, I had never had so many applicants for any position ever. And PE, we had, I think we had like five people. Mm-hmm interviewed and there was one guy that we interviewed right before you we're like yeah he's good he's good and in the back of my mind i'm like yeah but y'all just wait just wait <laughs> like remember we have to interview everybody and then we get to you and uh i, I would say even before solo jumped on the screen mm -hmm. <laughs> everyone was just like just so stoked and as soon as we got off and we hung up they go Oh my God, he's amazing. And I just pushed my uh, chair back and I stood up and said, I told you, I told you, I told you. So you were picked right away. But I think what really stood out was like, as soon as you got there, I could just tell it was different. Like you just got it. Like you just knew. And that type of leadership is rarely seen in the alternative setting, right? Because typically you're going to get one or two kinds of teachers at the alternative school, either those who have been pushed out because mm -hmm. they're not very good. You send them over there, so they're out of sight, out of mind. Yep. Or you get the rock star teachers who, we love this work, so we do it because we love it. We love the challenge. We love kind of seeing kids in a different way. Um, but I am, like, just always, always, always so grateful and humbled by what you brought to our school, because you even changed me as a principal. Well, I remember, and thank you for those words. I appreciate it. I remember like it had to have been like the first day after we did all the little workshop stuff and actually we now had kids. And again, this is like a small school. And as Cynthia said, we're kind of like the, 
redheaded stepchild of the school district. It's where the quote unquote bad kids are. Teachers don't really want to be there. Or I shouldn't say they don't want to be there. The ones that are there, typically we had the right ones, but it's not a place where, ooh, yeah, I want to go teach at the alternative school because, yeah, no, it's not like that. And so I get there, and again, it's small, and I had a gym, and I also had a classroom, and my classroom was like right at the end of this hallway, and our school was basically one big hallway. And I took the kids to the gym. I just had my schedule, and I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. And I must have had, what, six classes, seven classes in the, in the day, and Cynthia was steady coming to the gym like constantly like she was always checking in on me in the gym we had walkie-talkies like all the teachers had walkie-talkies just because again these the the students were high risk so in case someone ran or there was fights or whatever it needed to be you you had the walkie-talkie ready to like call for help well I, i i don't even think i turned my i so many times i just had that thing turned off i shouldn't have i mean i didn't follow protocol but i just didn't use it and <laughs> cynthia was always coming to the gym that first day maybe the first couple of days well, and i finally just kind of pulled her aside and i was like um you, you don't have to like i mean i appreciate you stopping by but you don't have to like keep coming in and checking on me i think i I'm, i got this and then we kind of talked and joked about it later but you just had a history of had having to deal with some drama when it came to the PE program before I came, and you were just always on high alert with that because it was a place where a lot of fights happened and runaways, and that's where the drama happened. And all of a sudden, I show up, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it was like, well, well, this guy's not, not this guy's not calling me on the walkie-talkie. There must be something wrong. Let me go check on him. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um... I, to, to say I was uh, traumatized by the last uh, the PE teacher right before you is uh, kind of an understatement, but it and and that, I think that just became the thing. Like I'm I'm the principal. Like I'm always in rooms. I always like to kind of just be around and kind of see what's going on because um, I never want to lose touch with the classroom. But I definitely was like, okay, we're gonna have to really check this out. I'm. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone's okay over there. And then it just came to the point where I, I as, a, as a principal, it's like nice when you have those teachers, you can just leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to check in once in a while, just so you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm still here and I'm curious how things are going. And I just want to check on kids and whatnot. But it's like so refreshing when you get those teachers who can handle all of it. They own their shit. They know what's going on. They're, they're not trying to be in a power struggle. And like that just, it was such a game changer and that I think the personality that you brought to the school, right? Like that whole mentality was what we needed. And I needed it as a principal because we were trying to change things, right? Like mm-hmm. that whole program, I, I think the principal right before me for like 10 years, maybe she'd been there. I mean, she'd been there a while, like mm-hmm. a real long time and just nobody in the district ever came over and checked, Like they were allowed to just kind of do whatever they wanted and the long I come and I'm like, mm, Nope, <laughs> that's right. not okay. We got to do it different. Right. And so, um, yeah, but shit, like you even like helped me become a better leader, just the things that you would say and how you would talk about things and helping me to, to recognize that it didn't all have to be me. And I think one of the biggest tools that I picked up from you was flanking. 
And I've been using it even, even today, like last month I've been, uh, I mean, so I left education two years ago mm-hmm. into 2020 and yes. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When the pandemic started, I decided to leave. Cause I just, I'd had it right. Like they were, we opened a brand new alternative school. I got, they kind of started to, to pervert the whole program. I didn't like it. I was kind of be made out to be the warden. Like I had kids that were ready to go back. I'm like, let's go. Let's send them back. They haven't served their time. Chad, I'm not even kidding. These are words coming out of people's mouths. Mm-hmm. Right? Like again, the, with the whole bad kids. But anyways, I digress. I decided to help out a friend. I've been subbing this last week and I stepped into a building that looks like it's been neglected, right? Like you can just feel it. Like their administrator is not supported. Kids are, and it's elementary. So we got kids that have never been in school before because of the pandemic. And when they're, mm-hmm. <laughs> now they're trying to figure out how to sit still and pay attention all day long. And it's just, you know, utter chaos. But that whole idea of flanking, how you taught me, like, what, what is it that you need? Let, let me talk to her. Let me try to do this. Let me try to come at them from a different side. And I was like, as soon as I stepped into the building, it's like, Chad, your voice like running in my head. What do we need to do? Who do we need to talk to? Who are they hanging out with? And so it's like, I've been like just slowly, stealthily kind of sneaking around talking to people. And in just three weeks, and I am going to toot my own horn in three weeks, I've got an entire school that just feels different. Right. All, all just because we show up, right? And, and we, we see kids and we talk to them different. And I think that was, man, that, that was something that you taught me that just changed my whole life. Well, it was like uh, the word, you know, I, I use the word flank. And some people would say, oh, you're, you're manipulating or you're, you're, you're pulling the wool over the kids' faces or you're, and when I use the term flanking, I'm not, I'm talking about, and I'll give you an example. You already probably know because you saw it firsthand. And I think I talked about it in one of my last episodes when I had Pete on. And I had a girl who was, she was just a broken girl and didn't want to participate, didn't want to do anything, and just shy, introverted. And just, she was just broken down. And, and, you know, we'd do our little workout sessions and she didn't want to participate. And then, We'd do whatever activities, and she didn't want to have anything to do with it, and she would just basically sit there. And I could have easily just used the direct approach and said, no, you have to do this because I said so, blah, 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 use my authority, show my muscles, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that would have never worked. I would have lost her. So instead, I flanked her, and I just said, okay, well, just let me know when you're ready. You don't have to do any of this. Just sit there. Fine. Whatever. Sit there. Fine. Do you? And then I start walking around the gym. And then I would walk by her and I say, hey, you want to join me? No. Okay. Well, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to walk probably about 10 laps here. While the other kids are doing whatever they're doing, I just keep walking. Maybe by the fifth lap, it was like, hey, you want to join me? Said, Fine. You know, she put up a kind of a stink, but she still did it. And fast forward, that became her routine. That was like what she wanted to do. She enjoyed it. She's like, well, this is actually, I'm getting something out of this. This isn't punishment. This is, and then it turned into, she started jogging. And then that jog turned into, hey, can I join you guys? Well, yeah, you can join us because that's, you're part of the class. So then she started doing exercises and then she started losing weight. And then she started coming out of her shell. And 
like I said earlier, if I would have come at her like direct approach, like, you know, you think of a typical coach would have done, which I've done many times in my past. Mm -hmm. And it works for some people, the direct approach, but not with the kids we were dealing with. That that direct approach is the recipe for losing them. They'll they'll just shut down even more and just basically say, fuck you. And I mean, so yeah, the flank, did I kind of manipulate her a little bit? Sure. Yeah, it was kind of, but that's what leaders do. You got to find a way to get them to do what they don't want to do. And she didn't mm-hmm. want to do anything. But next thing you know, now she's doing all this stuff, but it was on her terms. It was on her. I let her make the choice. Mm-hmm. And it, it, might, it might have taken a couple weeks, but I was willing to wait. So whatever. And in a normal, uh, air quote, normal setting, maybe a quote-unquote normal principal might have said, or who, who saw that going on might have said, well, you got it. they need to participate. You mm. need to you need to give her an F for, or, you know, say something like that. Why are they just sitting yep. there? Well, they're sitting there because I'm letting them sit there for just let me do my job here. Yeah. And it worked. Like- and I gave her time and she came out of it and she was a great kid to have in class. Now, some kids I had to do different things with. I mean, it was all, but it was all part of the flanking process. I didn't come direct at them. I had to come at a different angle and, and it, it works and it, it helps build relationships. And that's the biggest thing with always with me when it came with dealing with kids was building relationships, find a common ground with them, find something they're interested in, find something that we can talk about. And it might, it might take time. They might not do anything for the first month of school. Who knows? But eventually they come around and then you have them. It's, and you know, it kind of reminds me back when I first started uh, in education, I had a principal, Lori Peaster uh, was her name. Uh, she passed away while we were there. Um, she had blood, uh, I think cancer in her bones or in her blood. I can't remember, but she passed away. But one of the greatest principals I ever had. And I loved how she kind of went about that. And that's how I kind of approach being an administrator, being a leader. That's how I, you know, really saw myself as kind of modeling after her because she was just like, you got to go slow to go fast. And at first I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You want me to take two whole weeks at the beginning of the year? just to get to know my kids and do routines. we got stuff to do, right? we, we got curriculum I got to teach. I got to get to all of it. I got to teach all of it and got to hustle, hustle, hustle. And at first I just thought she was freaking crazy. I was like, no way. Nah, nah this is dumb. But what it did is it, it showed me, first of all, my arrogance as, a, as an educator, right? Like, I'm so great. I know everything. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, nah. But what happened is it changed the whole dynamic for me as an educator, for the kids, right? Because then we all knew each other. And I think, was it you who was talking, we used to talk about, is it commitment or compliance? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, uh, and how I, I, what I saw was that true transformation. And I think it's like, what, uh, we can do this, we can apply that to like everywhere in life, right? Like mm-hmm. to, to our own relationships, our own kids. Like, I know you got Bam there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and with Allie, like the whole thing is like, if I come right at her, and like we had this yesterday, we had, you know, we had a little slip up as a parent. We went pretty direct and we're like, no, we're not doing that. And she just threw a fit, like a big fit. And I was like, ah, there you go. And that's why. Right. But as soon as we started talking to her differently, a whole change of attitude. Now we're ready to go on. 
And so, yeah, like just even letting kids even control a little bit, I think helps a lot. Because I saw that a lot in credit because why? What can they actually control? When we, uh, excuse me, I remember there was another girl. I won't name names, but she came later in the year. I don't even remember what year, if it was my fourth year. Because we were together for four years, weren't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. four school years. And it was, and at the school we were at, people, it the kids would come and go. So they would finish the programming there for, you know, some had to be there for a year, maybe more. And then they would transition back to their home state or hometown or whatever it happened to be. And then new kids would come in. So we had a lot of moving pieces with kids. Kids would come and go and blah, blah, blah. And this one particular girl, she came and huge chip on her shoulder like most of them had. Didn't trust anybody, especially authority figures. And she refused to sit at her desk. She wanted to sit on the floor. And so I just let her sit on the floor. Like, okay, well, she, well, she wasn't bothering anybody. and. She just put her back against the wall and just sat there and she was doing what was expected when you come in my class, sit down and get ready to go to the gym. Or if it was a Wednesday, then when we doing our health, whatever it happened to be, she followed the protocol, but she just wanted to sit on the floor. And that was another moment of, I could have lost her real quick if I would have, you got to sit in the chair. That's your assigned seat. Sit there. I don't want to sit there. No, you have to sit. And then we just butt heads, go back and forth. I end up looking like an idiot and she, you know, just, it looks stupid. So I was like, all right, go ahead and sit there on the floor. Fine. And then some kids would look sideways at it. Like, why does she get to sit on the floor? And I don't get to sit on the floor. And I'm like, well, you never tried to sit on the floor. I mean, if you want to sit on the, if everyone wants to sit on the damn floor, then fine. And this goes back to the whole choices thing because that's one thing I always said too, as a leader, you're going to, I'm going to give you all the choices you want. I'm going to let you choose everything basically, but those choices are privileges. And that's one mm-hmm. thing that I used as, as leverage. And here we use, this is again, oh, you're manipulating those kids. Well, of course I'm manipulating them because that's what leadership mm-hmm. is. I'm getting them to do what I want them to do, but they're thinking that they're making the choice and they are making the choice. But it was leverage. So her thing was, I want to sit on the floor. All right, well, you can sit there as long as you can handle yourself. But if you show to me that you can't handle that privilege, then I'll make that choice for you. And all the kids Mm -hmm. really wanted at the end of the day was they wanted to be able to have that power of choice. That's why I was able to get them to do burpees and jumping jacks and push-ups and planks and do all that stuff they didn't want to do. Because when they were done doing that, I gave them the choice of doing what they wanted to do. And so they would give me that 10 minutes. They would say, all right. And I would make sure that it was a, it was a, it, all the activities were timed. Everything was on a clock because they would mm-hmm. hold me to it. All right, 10 minutes. You said 10 minutes. I'm going to hold you to 10 minutes. So yeah, I got you. That's why I have this stopwatch right here. And they would make sure that, and once the 10 minutes were over, they were done. And then they got to do what they want to do. If it was shooting hoops, if it was walking laps, if it was doing volley, but whatever it happened to be. And then some people might walk in and be like, you're just letting them do whatever they want to do. Well, kind of I am, but you don't see that I can also have them do exactly what I want them to do. It's a give and take. 
So yeah. it's, it's not permissive. People might look at it as, oh, he's just being permissive and letting him do whatever. No, it's not quite like that, but you don't get it. And that's why you, that's why you say stuff like that or the outside people looking in. And and I, I think what I really saw differently about like the teachers who really excelled while we were while we were working there were those who just didn't engage in the power struggle. And that's, you know, a lot of what I see now. And and I think it is that old school mentality, right? Like you have to do what I said because mm-hmm. just why are we doing this? Because I said so. And it's like, yeah, at times we need that, right? Like when, when it's a safety issue, sure. Yeah, you have to do this because I said so, because mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure everyone's safe. But otherwise, why are we doing that? Why do we have to get into the power struggle? Like I, that, that's something I never really understood. Um, I think what, I think teachers get afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Afraid that if they let kids choose and they're, and they're just going to walk all over us. Uh, you know, kind of like if you give a mouse a cookie, that whole book, Mm-hmm. Like you're given one choice, you're going to want to like keep making more and more and ask for more and more and more. And it's like, but it's not. And, and I really felt for those kids at crit who, you know, shoot like their whole, their whole day, their whole life is dictated. As soon as they walk through those doors, what you can wear, what you can't wear, what you can say, what you can't say when you wake up, when you go to sleep, like you have to ask to go to the bathroom. And sometimes people are like monitoring you when you go to the bathroom and, and for safety reasons, right? I get, I totally understand that. And so I think when, when we saw kids come downstairs and we had a couple of teachers that, that you had to help me with, um, cause we had to flank them for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't quite getting an understanding that, that these kids are coming with a lot of baggage and, right. and it's like, and I, and I, and I know I, I heard in, in your last episode, you know, like with the files and not reading them. And for me, I read them differently. Like I wasn't reading. I don't want to know about all all the stuff to use it against you. For me, it's like, oh, that helps me to understand more. Mm-hmm. Helps me understand how to how to approach you now. How to know what's going on. And I I think that when I also read that stuff, it also allowed me to be vulnerable in a different way with the kids. And a lot of and, times, like the kids, I, I mentioned it earlier too. The kids would get. A lot of those kids were so institutionalized in placements. Mm-hmm. They've been in placement their whole lives, whether for whatever reason they get kicked out of one and sent to another. So they knew the they knew the process. They knew the game. They knew their files inside and out, and they could use them to their advantage as well, which again isn't right. And sometimes they'd use it as a crutch. But yep. that's one. That's another reason why I just didn't. Well, one of the reasons I didn't want to read them is because they're like, it's just like it's too much. It's like I got enough to do. I don't need to read this. Mm-hmm. Just let's go to the gym. I'll, I'll get to know them personally instead yep. of reading the file. And I didn't want the kids to use that. Like some of them would even ask, "Well, you've read my file, haven't you?" Well, actually, no, I haven't read your file. I don't know anything about what you went through. I'm, I'm just you went through something, or else you wouldn't be here. But frankly, we all have something, and right. And then they would, then the guard would kind of come down. Oh, okay. Well, he actually cares about just me instead of just about what, what my, what my profile says. And that's exactly what it was. I didn't give two Mm -hmm. shits about what, what it said in the file. Show me. Yeah. And, and I think when, when the kids knew that you saw who they were, right. And, and this applies everywhere like not just even with the kids or in education it's just across the board and in in leadership it's i think when you forget that you have human beings 
that that you're working with human beings and that they were all complicated. We're all messy. We're all, you know, we we're all doing something that we shouldn't be and we can do it better. We can improve. We all can. And I, and I think when we forget that and we just like basically like plow through people, mm-hmm. I, like, what, what do we do? And, and that's, you know, and you see that time and time again in education. And then, and I, that's where I think as principals, I've seen it where you get that us and them mentality. Mm-hmm. It's teachers and administrators because they're out to get us. Right. No, no, not. It, when it comes to growth plans and, and, and coaching and doing better, like I know, I, I remember when you first got there, we had that conversation. No, nah, it's no, it's too much. It's mm-hmm. too harsh. We pull back just a little bit. Yeah. And, and you're like, well, oh, thanks. Thanks for the heads up. Mm-hmm. And we went about and it wasn't a big deal. I didn't have to put you on an improvement plan. I didn't have to come through to check. I didn't have to come through uh-huh. to monitor. No, it's like, let's just own our shit. And when even I think even the feedback that you give me that you've given me and you continue to give, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, I, I just don't understand. That was always a hard part for me as an administrator. Like why, why are you fighting me so much when I'm just here to help you improve? And, and I, and I try to always be that really vulnerable, very open leader. Cause it's like, I want you guys to know, like I got shit going on too. And so, so many, you. so it's, many teachers. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, so many teachers, like we're human as teachers, we're human, we're all human. And you use a, a setting like crit where we're at, a lot of them got comfy because mm. it was, they, again, as we mentioned, the school was kind of just on an island on its own. The, the higher ups from the district never came to visit. It was just like, we we're kind of left on our own. And that can be good and bad in some ways because sometimes you'd like to have the upper, the higher ups come in and see what the bullshit we have to deal with. And it's not easy and get a little recognition here and there, but we didn't, we, so we had to kind of, we were like a small knit family and sometimes you had teachers that were just didn't want to, didn't want to disturb their little cocoon of safety that they built yep. for themselves because it's it was comfy and cozy and and that's just human nature when all of a sudden your your comfort gets disturbed a little bit because a lot of people don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, you can't, and I've said it many times. You got to learn how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you came and told me because anyone that knows me, I'm I'm still a coach by heart, and I I can be hard. I can come at you hard and. I'm sarcastic and sometimes I, it doesn't come across exactly how it should. And, um, you, you mentioned that to me, like, Hey, you gotta, you know, level it down a little bit. My voice can be loud. And that was one thing, excuse me. That was one thing where I definitely had to be mindful of like, Oh, I don't need to be at level nine. I can tone down my voice and my volume and my projection down to like a five. And then once the kids got to know me, then they were like, oh, he's, when he talks loud, he's not like yelling at us. He's just loud. And he sometimes it gets, get his point across. And then they learn to deal with it too. And we, it's a dance. And some days the dance is ugly and some days the dance is smooth. And, but you have to be willing to like adapt and adjust. And some people aren't comfortable with that. Yeah. And, and I think that that adjustment also like models for the kids, right? 
And and when we start to just normalize that, like, yep, messed up. Let me let me come back and apologize. And I'll remember. I I'll never forget the first time um, I went and apologized to a kid. Uh, Sherman, mm-hmm. remember him? I remember Paul, him. It was uh, like massive linebacker size, mm-hmm. like twice twice as tall as I am. I felt like he was like ten feet tall. Like he was just such a big kid. Uh, but just such a little kid at heart right inside. And I, and he and I, oh, we butted heads. We were so great. And then we butt heads and, oh, that relationship was hard to build. And I, I, I lost my cool. I lost it. And I just caught myself right in the moment. It's, I, I, I did. I snapped at him. I lost it. And I went, oh, mm-mm, this is too much. Time out. Um, you go, I need a break. You need, I'm going to come back. We just got to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, man, fine, whatever. Like, and I just go back and I pulled him outside and we just sat. I said, hey, I got to tell you, I'm real sorry that I lost my cool and I snapped at you and I shouldn't have done that. And the look on his face, he just kind of went, turned around and looked at me sideways. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like, what? No one ever apologized to you? Nah, teachers never do that. No one ever apologized. And I thought to myself, shoot, I, I'm a, I've been doing this job, you know, for forever. By that time, it was like, what, 15 years when I first started there that I've been in education. I'm like, and that's just how it's always been. Right. Like, my shit, like, yeah, I lost it. But let me come back and apologize and make it better. And and I saw that a lot in your classroom as well. Like, that's we're, we're just going to own it. We're going to do it. And if you did it, you did it. If you didn't, you didn't. Right. And, and that's, and that's one thing I didn't bring up, too, is like the school we were at, we had the because I forgot about the other side of the school. We had we had the kids that were living there, like that went went to school and then went went upstairs to their for their treatment and they lived there. It was a part of their program, but then the other half of the school on the other side of the hallway, we had the kids from the district that were the quote-unquote castaways and they got kicked out of their school and sent to the alternative school. And that was a whole nother animal. Um, and I had them, I remember last period, I would always have them last period of the day. And that was, uh, I love those kids, but it was just different because they didn't have the same structure as the kids at crit. Like you said earlier, like the kids at on, on the alternative side had, they would have to go up and run their program. They, everything was scheduled for them. Everything was, and they had built in consequences. Like if you screwed up enough in school, it would affect you upstairs with your privileges upstairs as well. So there was, and, and a lot of them were on medication. And so they had that, like whatever bad, quote unquote, bad behavior, some of them were medicated for it if it was ADHD or whatever. Well, well, the kids from the district, you got them like just raw and uncut because a lot of them weren't medicated. And if they were medicated, it was self-medicated with weed or alcohol and You'd get that coming to school smelling like pot or smelling like booze. And, and then, the, so those behaviors were totally different almost than those dynamics were totally different, but it was still, it's still part of the, I, I mean, I loved it. It was part of the process. It was part of, and that was part of building relationships too. I remember one of the kids, I, I wish I remembered his name and give him a shout out, but he came in, he came like, year two I was there, maybe year three. He's from Indianapolis, I think, or something like that. Big kid. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but 
he came in. I remember, and he, you guys brought him to the gym, and he didn't want to have anything to do with anybody or anything. And I think I asked him, "Well, you can come join us." And he did the typical, you know, no. And that that went on for a few days, and I just let him be. Until I mean, mm-hmm. and again, that was the 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 strategy I took with him. I was like, "Well, I'm not going to go at him and say, oh, you have to do this,' because it would have turned into a fight or a." you know, just a battle of wills, which nobody wins when that happens. So I just let him be. And then by day two or three, he's like, Hey, um, can I join? Yeah, come on and join. And then he turned out to be a great kid. I mean, I, like I said, everyone's had their issues. Everyone's had their ups and down days, but he was a model citizen for most part. I wish I remembered his name, but I can't remember. His, I want to say, no, it wasn't Dre, whatever. But I think I know who you, you know who I'm talking about, but <laughs> Again, there's building relationships and it's uh, building trust and it's sometimes you have to do it in indirect ways, quote unquote flanking. And and you had to learn how to do that with your staff because you were the principal. I was just a teacher. So that was a whole nother ball of wax that I I praised you on because I don't know if I could have dealt with that. Yeah. And it's a... I will say I never wanted to be an administrator ever. I, I remember starting out in teaching my first year of teaching, my assistant principal had me on some type of leadership team in the building. I was like, oh, okay. Cause she, she thought, she saw, you know, what I was about. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not ever afraid to say like, I'm a great educator, you know, you and I like we're, we're on that same page. And so I don't want you to ever like sell yourself short. Like you were an amazing educator and you still are. Thank you. Uh, and so she saw that. And I remember her telling me about mm, almost towards the end of my first year, she's like, I need you to think about where you're going to go to school. And I said, what do you mean? Go, go back to school for what? She said, I think you're going to be a great administrator. You're going to be a principal one day. And I said, no, the fuck I'm not. She says, yeah, you are. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't ever want to do that. And, uh, and I was like, fine, I'll do it because I'm going to make more money, right? Because I'm going to move over on the pay scale. Cool. And then they put me in the, they called it the pit, principal in training. I mean, if that's a name for you, but mm. <laughs> and I, uh, I used to cover in the office when uh, the principals would be out and about, right? Something would happen. If they're at, if both administrators were at the building, then I would be the first person they come to. And I think having that recognition from my administrator is something that really changed how I saw myself as an administrator. Because then I started to understand, well, this, okay, I see what she did. She started to recognize who leaders were and building them up and, and starting to really try to find those great team, teammates. Because I think as, as you came on, it was like, ah, oh, there it is, right? And then we start building the team from there. And then we start really being able to connect. And then we find Dana, Dana Trumbly. Shout out to her. Another Shout out to Dana. Talk about a teacher that is out of this world. Mm-hmm. And we found her subbing, right? She just happened to stumble into our building and we're like oh my god she's amazing and so we collected her and we had sally who'd been you know who had been doing the the alternative school for for a hot minute and and sally sally hoffsummer brookhuysen (laughs) (laughs) but she's she's another one of those educators right that just gets it Mm -hmm. and i think what i really started to see when you came on board is like okay we started to like basically assemble the avengers you know, we started weeding out those that didn't need to be there. And um, and you helped me to see very clearly what you saw day one of another teacher. And I, I won't bring up her name, but I think you saw it so early on and you helped me see through my own blindness. Right. Right. Because you 
an energy vampire and she was a cancer that mm-hmm. I didn't recognize. And I thought what she presented to me, I was, sometimes I find myself to be very distrusting on, on the front end. There was something that you had seen and like, I think that also speaks to the type of lead teacher that you were, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that you're willing to step up and say what needs to be said and to check even me and that that kind of reverse mentorship. I know it's kind of becoming a thing now, but we've always had that. And it wasn't like anything we you know were assigned to do or anything. We just like I was always at school early. I was up usually the first one there and you were close behind me. And we probably had some of our, and you know, not as a principal, you have to do your check-ins and you have to do your like scheduled teacher evaluations and all that crap. But you and I had so many meetings, quote unquote, just in my room, like you'd stop in and we'd chop it up for 15 minutes. And we did that almost on a daily basis. And it was like, if I had a gripe or you had a gripe and we just vent to each other or throw ideas at each other and that was it. And you trusted me enough to, you know, implement some things. And I trusted you enough to let you hear what I had to say. And I think it worked good because I became kind of like a, I don't know, what's the word I want to use? Liaison between the teachers. And, you know, because sometimes there's other teachers that you might not, oh, I can't, I can't get through to this one. Or, well, let me talk to them. Or let me. Because I try to build relationships with all of them in whatever way. So I was always one of those guys that would try to help out and try to, if it was Google Classroom or Gradebook stuff or whatever I can help with, let me, let me help you. And in doing so, I think it, well, you've already told me it, it helped you because mm-hmm. it was like a buffer between staff and you and us and all as a team. And you need people like that. Yeah. And, and as you know, even as I hear you say, you know, with the kids, like you don't want to do it. All right. And sit over there and don't bother anybody. And with teachers, like you can't, you can't quite go that far. Right. I can't say, well, if you don't want to do it. That's fine. Don't do it. Just sit over there and don't bother mm-hmm. anybody. But at the same time, it's like, I have to think about how I'm going to approach my staff, how I'm going to approach the people on my team is like, is a direct like getting in your face and you're not listening, you're not doing what we need to do, you're not doing what's in the best interest of kids, therefore I'm putting you on an improvement plan. Mm-hmm. The administrators are going to go that route. Um, a, I hated it because that is so much paperwork. Right. So much work to try to do when all it is is just, it's just a paradigm shift. And and that's, that's hard to do when you're trying to put someone on a growth plan. And so when you have, you know, these trusted people on your team, like you and Sally and Dana, and like, you it and you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You you got her to shift in yeah. a way that it never came from me. And I think that as leaders, we have to be humble to recognize that sometimes it's just not going to be you, right? And you, teachers, right? Like sometimes kids get along with me better than you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not going to get along with me at all, and they love the teacher next door. Cool. So what are you doing to connect with that kid? What you know, and sharing those ideas and being open and vulnerable to understanding that none of us have it all figured out. We're all just trying to just do it together. But had I been too proud as a leader, I you know I would have been just I I would have tanked her, and I probably would tank the whole program. I would tank myself. Yeah, and I even think about the teacher still is 
you know, so many, and this isn't, it wasn't just at Crittenton. I mean, I've been teaching at enough schools where you, I, it was a constant, like you'd hear it from te- complaining about, oh, I hate doing these improve, you know, what, whatever each district has its own little thing that teachers have to do. Like it, in Hickman Mills, we had to do these, I even forgot what they were called, like improve, like at the yeah, beginning, growth, growth plans. Yeah. yeah. And we had to do them and, and type them out yeah. and then you send them to you and then you had, it's just, it was tedious, busy work, BS kind of stuff, but you still had to do it. And I would always just tell the teachers that would come to me and complain about them. I was like, you know, the best way to get corn off your back is to, how about you just do them? Or if, if you're, if corn's upset at you or coming at you because you're not getting your, your grade book done on time, how about you just do your grades? How about you just stay on? It's almost like talking to a kid. It's uh-huh. so. I always said, like, I hate, it didn't matter what school I was at. I hated having principals being on me for stuff that because of stuff that I had 100% control over. So that's one reason I came early all the time was to get my grades done, to get my attendance squared away, to get all that stupid shit that I didn't like doing anyway, just to get it done so I didn't have to worry about you coming at me for not having it done which would have been my fault anyway and then mm-hmm. then people complain oh i didn't have to, i don't have time well yeah you have time you, you just make time you can do it anytime you can do it like i chose to do it before school some maybe after school some that's why i never took my stuff home with me because i carved out time to get it done it was tedious and i think i got that through to a, a few teachers there it's like just take 5 minutes before class, like make it part of your routine, like part of your, your, what do you call the, the, your standing operating procedures? Like you can get this stuff done during class. Amazing, huh? Figure it yeah. instead of like, you know, picking your butt or doing stupid stuff, get it, get it done. Or even have, yeah, I don't know. It's not rocket science, but it, it's little things like that that would, cause like a rift between a lot of teachers because and it was all under their control so the mm-hmm. so the, yeah the point of my the, the whole point of that is is like control what you can control and so much of it is just little things getting them done and then that gets you or any other principal or leader and whatever job it happens to be get it gets them off your back it's like you, you got to remember we're getting it from the top too right it's yeah. like i as a as a principal it is a really lonely position too because it's like you, you get it from the top from the central office you get it from the side from teachers and from the side from kids and from the parents like all, all, all the way across the board you're getting it and and that is it's a it's just part of the job and mm-hmm. i knew that kind of to it um so that that's what became really frustrating is when i would have people on my team that didn't understand like like i got shit going on too and people are coming you think i want to fill out my own growth plan like mine's twice as hard as yours and like and and i got a year they don't like me in a year i'm out like and they i don't have a leg to stand on as Mm -hmm. an administrator right not as many protections for me as there are for educators uh for teachers and so you know it it, i think that that's one thing that i just really started to understand as an administrator especially at at crit and and seeing how all of it had to work together is that we did have to work together and that, you know, when you you talk about that family atmosphere, in, 
I always wanted people to understand, like, I'm going to see you as a person first. Family is always first. Whatever you got going on outside, you need to take care of that. Go take care of that. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, you're not doing that, you're not going to be here and you can't help take care of the kids. Right. right? So I, I don't know. It's just that how how did I ever make it? beforehand right how many stumbles i made as a first year administrator when i started out as an athletic director and assistant principal and then i think about going into just standing on my own and really on my own it's the only one right like we never had anyone come by but we still had to own our shit we still have to do it we mm-hmm. still have to, to to make those things happen and so yeah and, and i i i don't know chad one thing i always really appreciate about you is just you just owned your shit like and it was such a game changer because as, as a leader to have people behind you that, you know, like that you can just be like, Hey, mm-mm. and they just take it in there. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks for not letting me continue to fuck up. Right. That's when I did my coaching and I would have to talk to these teachers and I know they would always get really defensive anytime around an improvement plan. I'm like, I'm just trying to help you. I'm on your team trying to help you be better. Mm-hmm. It's same thing for our kids, right? And so I think that's one thing that used to drive me nuts is when I'd have to do that. But it's just like, I wouldn't have to do this if you just do your job, right? I'm going to get called out if I don't do my job. So like kind of goes down the chain, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we expecting more from our students than we're expecting from ourselves. Yeah, it felt like right? then, and uh, I'll talk about, Jamie, rest rest in peace to Jamie Brown. I love that lady. Um, but she uh she struggled with her grade book, I remember so much. And she and Jamie had been teaching for years. So she was she was doing grades in on a you know, pencil and paper grade book back in the day, like I, I'm used to doing and you know, stuff gets moved over to computers, so now everything's computerized. And now everything's like on Google or on Apple iPads. And now, so all the teachers had to learn how, and that can get frustrating, especially for, you know, the, the veteran teachers that are going back to the comfort. They're used to doing things a certain way. And then all of a sudden, now we got to do these new things. And, oh, God. And Jamie just had struggled with the, the, the grade book thing. And mm-hmm. that's one thing. And, and I think she got better at it towards the end. And yeah. the, the main thing was that she just had to learn how to carve out like a certain period of time, whether, and I brought it up again, like either in the morning or after school and just get it done and, and find a little routine and, and write it down on a, find whatever way works for you and not, not try to fight it because we have to do it regardless. It's not something that's going to go away and there's no other yeah. way to do it. So and I had no problem going in there in the morning before class and helping her before school started to make sure it all got done. And that was just part of being a, the, you know, a good teammate. But once she realized, okay, this is what I have to do and this is how it has to get done and there's no need to fight it, then she changed her attitude about it and shifted that and pivoted. And I think she turned into a superstar even more than she already was because she was already a superstar doing what she did. But just learning learning from a younger teacher like me. I mean, not that I was young, but, you know, someone that could offer her something. But I also Mm -hmm. go back. I could have been a, I could have just said, no, I don't want to help you. Help yourself. 
But mm-hmm. I, I don't like seeing my teammates like struggle or get frustrated about little stupid shit like that. So I'm more than ha- happy to help. And that's why I was happy to help you help them. And it helped all of us at the same time. And, and then in turn, it helps the kids, right? Because then we get, we get to show up as our, you know, as our most true authentic self and, and really be there for the kids and help them understand, you know, like we're going through it too. Let's have some empathy. And, and, and that was something that I think really set our program apart was that I think the focus that I had is that with remember what these kids have gone through, like that's understandable and we have to hold them accountable because their behaviors are not excusable. Right. right. But when we the kid differently, it also helps you to just not take it personally. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm sorry. When a kid tells me to, Fuck it, big. I'm like, yeah. I don't hear my skin real quick, and then I have to remember, like, he's just a little child. He is a little child inside and traumatized, and and I was like, okay, it helps me to take a breath and take a step back, so that we don't have to get into that power struggle. It's like, okay, whenever you're done, let me know. I'll be over here waiting to talk to you because that's all we can do, right? And it's like that that power struggle doesn't need to be there, but it all kind of comes back to just being humble. And and recognizing that we're we're all on this earth together, right? And, and I think l- learning how to pick your battles, like that's so much yeah. of it too. It's like the kids, like you know, we've used some vulgar vulgar terms, but we heard it all from the kids. I mean, you, they don't teach you that, and and when you're going to college and you're doing your little student <laughs> teaching or your little teacher practicum and stuff, like <laughs> they teach you all the steps of being a great teacher, but they don't tell you the step of when a ted kid tells you to fuck off or a, mm-hmm. a kid flips a desk or a kid rushes you and tries to fight you or you know they teach you all that and you have to <laughs> learn that stuff the hard way or or and, and god bless many teachers never have to ever deal with that like some teachers teach 30 years and never once have had a student ever swear at them or you know stand up in their face and with their fist fist clenched ready to throw punches or, you know, whatever. You've never had to restrain anybody or you've never had to. And we had to do all that. Like every day, you just never knew like what is today, (laughs) you know, shit. I got stitches above my eye from catching an elbow, breaking up a fight. I remember that one. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, you don't sign up for, you know, necessarily sign up for that. They don't teach you about that. Like I didn't even want, I remember when that happened cause I didn't, you made me go get stitches. I don't want to even, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll be, I'm fine. I'll just put a bandaid on it or no, you gotta go. Oh, gotta go. Right. Yeah. That was something I had to humble myself too. Cause I, that's when you had to become principal corn and no go. All right. all right. I'll go. But it's, I'm not gonna get in <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. But the point of that was it's like in that setting that we were teaching in and working in it's it was organized chaos at the best and if if you were lucky enough to get what you wanted to get done on your lesson plan god bless you because those lesson plans throw them out the window when that stuff happens you just had to be on your p's and q's and you had to be willing to Again, not give the kids, you know, free reign, but you also had to learn how to dance with them and how to, and it was a song and dance every single day. Sometimes the dance was slow. Sometimes the dance was fast. Sometimes the dance was a big fucking mosh pit. You just didn't know. And that's what I loved about it though. That's, 
Mm-hmm. I, if you would have given me a chance, I've taught in, in uh, schools that school districts that were, you know, just plain Jane, vanilla. All the kids did what they're supposed to do was happy sunshine, rainbows. And maybe one day you might have a kid that I don't want to do this. And that's, that was the worst part of your day. And, or if you give me a chance to work with the population we worked with, I'd, I'd take that all the time just because it was, fun i guess i don't know how to more to explain it people always ask me like why do you how how can you do that i was like i don't know how i do it i just do it because it's it when when you stop seeing them as a problem and you just start seeing them as her kid like when you when you truly understand where a kid is coming from you can really teach them yeah i'm not saying you have to but if you don't know your kids you can't teach them because you don't you just don't understand because you know, like we said, we had these kids that are coming from all these different backgrounds and all these things that are happening to them. And they're just literally trying to process this mm-hmm. while trying to learn how to be a human being again. Right. And learning how to how to do things differently that was not survival tactics. It's, you know, unlearning all those trauma responses that help them survive. Right. Um, like I remember uh, the young girl, uh, Heaven had been there forever, right? Like she'd just been there for ages. And to see her progress, like when she'd first get there, she used to go in the, the holding rooms and she would strip naked and pee mm-hmm. in the in mess on herself. And, you know, those are some really extreme behaviors. But when you learn that her family had locked her in a cage, like right. literally locked her in a cage for long periods, you start to understand, right? And then you, then you get it. Um, but then to watch her be able to actually discharge and go out on her own and right. see that growth, I think as as educators, we miss that, right? We 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 miss that that is also growth. That that that's another thing that we can look at, and and you know, kind of going back to that whole central office never coming in and understanding. I wanted them to come in to truly understand. Like when when I tell you that our test scores, I don't give a shit what you're telling me. You can give me data every year, and you can t- and you can dock me on my evaluation every single year for it. I don't give a shit mm-hmm. because. My kids are progressing. Right. Am I making sure that our kids are learning life skills? Yeah, and you can't see that on a, a standardized test score, which is. And, and when you got kids that are coming in that are so traumatized, right, that legit just making it to school is probably the biggest thing that they did all day long. Right. That they choice to come down because even the kids who live there, right, they had the choice whether they wanted to come down or not. Yeah, they could stay you, upstairs and not do anything. But our day school kids, they had the choice to come or not. And, you know, you think, well, they're, they come, they just cause all these quote unquote problems. No, but they're choosing to come and be safe. And, and because that they know that you'll take care of them. Right. And, and they, they know you're safe enough to, to go off on because they know that they can curse you out. They, they can do all the stuff. You're going to turn around the next day and be like, Hey, glad you're back. Thanks for coming. Yep. And, and I, I think as educators and even in the school that I'm in right now, kind of helping out, I had to check a couple of teachers. It's like, y'all just gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta stop talking to the kids like that. Right. And, and they're not doing it at you. Right. Got a kid that turned over a classroom, a whole classroom, Chad. And you know what that looks like, like mm-hmm. desk, chairs, shit everywhere. And like just screaming at the top of his lungs. And by the time I make it to the classroom, he's got a stool up in his hands over his head getting ready to launch it at the teacher and just sees me drops the chair and i just go up and i hug and he just cries 
right. and fault. And the teachers are all, they didn't really know what to do. And they come, they check in later and they, they, they see that as coddling. Like, but that's what that kid needed at the moment. Right. Right. He, Cause he didn't know what happened. Cause what they get that high and then they don't even know how to stop. But when I talked to them afterwards, I was like, do you remember that this child came from a, from a home that for eight years saw his dad, not just like hit his mom, like beat her, mm-hmm. like beat her to the point where she's almost in the hospital frequently so much so that they're not even allowed to be with their mom and dad right now. Right. So all he knows is as soon as he gets mad, Violence. Yeah. And I was like, it, this kid is going to take a lot more to get to him. And, and I think it's not excusable, right? He has to stay home on Monday because we got to come up with a different plan. And, and, uh, but just seeing the teacher afterwards and it was like, I got her hooked her. Cause I started to cry about it. I'm like, think about him just, all that's going through him right now and he doesn't even know how to control it. and the only thing he can do is just lash because he doesn't know how to tell you mm-hmm. how he's feeling his behavior is a conversation right so and, and i just think as as leaders as te- and teachers were leaders right we're mm-hmm. all leaders and you just have to do it differently and every kid is going to look different and and i that's i think i still kind of go back to when i first saw you come in and and how you handled all of the kids. It didn't matter what they came with, what was going on. You just saw them. And you were able to meet everybody's needs. Just, just you saw them. It's, uh, and this is, I think, because we're at an hour right now, and I think this is one we're going we're gonna to wrap up on. I know, I know. I just saw the hour pop up. I think this is what we're going to end on and then catch back up on, on the next, you're going to come back next week and we'll do part two. But, uh, for me, being able to see past behaviors, and again, it's not excusing behaviors when a kid, you know, throws chairs or you don't look past that. I mean, you look past it, but you don't excuse it. Mm-hmm. You, you, can, you can come back and talk about it later, but there's some times where you just, you can't take it personal. You can't, and I saw the kids because I saw, I saw myself in a lot of them. I mean, it could have been me. And like when we talk about trauma and we talk about, you know, that's a word that gets thrown around loosely nowadays is, you know, I'm traumatized and all this kind of thing, but it's real. And Mm -hmm. working with kids that are traumatized, it, it made me look inside of my own. And I'm like, I remember one, this is what we'll leave on because I remember one time we had a teacher workshop or a in-service or something. And we had someone come in and talking about trauma so we could be what was that called? Trauma sensitive or whatever it was certification. Yeah. And we had to fill out a checklist like of, you know, if this happened to you, if this happened to you, if this happened to you, you might have, you might have trauma. Well, I checked all those boxes, like every single Mm -hmm. fucking box. I was like, shit, I'm, you know, if if you just looked at me on paper, if you just read my quote unquote file, you'd be like, this guy's fucked up. But, I had avenues to get out, you know, so I could see myself in a lot of them. So it it gave me some empathy. It gave me a different perspective on things and helped me deal with my own stuff. And that's where we'll stop at because we're at an hour and I think we can cover a lot more when it gets to the, we'll get to the trauma part. We'll get to the sensitivity part and cover more stuff next week. How's that sound? Absolutely. Love to come back.
Word up. All right, I'm going to run yep. the outro, so hold, hold tight. Don't leave. All right, I got her on mute. Thank you for listening. And I'll just leave it at that. So make it a great day. I'm out. You never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic. Best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic. You come far and feel.